the Sober Experiment podcast by Be Sober. I'm Alex, one half of Be Sober. And I'm Lisa, the other half. If you're new to our podcast, Lisa and I have been best friends since high school. And after many years of getting drunk together pretty much every weekend, we've decided to experiment with being sober together. We really haven't got time to tell you all about that now, but if you go right back to the beginning of our podcast series, you'll find out all about it there. This season, we're super excited to be working with Wise Bartender and can't wait to sample and, of course, tell you about their 450 plus alcohol-free drinks. So whether you're after some alcohol-free beers, ciders, wines, cocktails or spirits, then check them out. We absolutely love that they're a growing family business. They've got a fantastic ethos around making sure quality alcohol-free drinks are accessible for absolutely everyone. As well as having alcohol-free equivalents, they also have an amazing range of kombuchas and sodas, along with a number of curated packs. Shop the range at wisebartender.co.uk and get 5% off with our code BESOBER5. Hello, Lisa. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Alex. How are you? I'm good, actually. Yeah, I'm very good. Moaning about podcast editing and recording because I've never really had to do it before. And now I've found that we've got to be professional. It's well scary. (laughs) You know what made me think, actually? We did a live, um, me and you together, which we hadn't done for ages and ages. And when we were talking about the podcast and we were talking about like the first series... And one of our members put on there that they'd laughed so much during the first series, which we did. It was just like such a laugh. And then I thought, oh, no, have we gone like... Are we too serious? Yeah, is it like really rubbish, you know? So I did have a little bit of a panic last night thinking about that because it was so much fun. And then, but now we get to talk to loads of other people and we kind of, well, I don't suppose we'd ever run out of stories, but... I feel no. like we. I feel like we should run out of stuff to say. Like, why do we? I really find it weird how we still find out new things about each other. How is that possible after thirty I years? Know. I find it weird that we still speak to each other morning, mid morning, <laughs> lunch, mid afternoon. We even text each other night night. <laughs> It's so ridiculous. Like you said, it actually. We've become codependent on each other. Really, I've honestly, I just don't know what I'd do without you. Anyway, I don't you really don't want to think about it because it set me off the other day. I, just so you all know, right, this is really weird and I don't believe I'm admitting to it, right? But I sent Lisa <laughs> a Celine Dion song, right? Because honestly, Celine Dion song came on and instead of thinking like of my husband, who is the love of my life, genuinely is the love of my life, all I could think about was how much I loved Lisa. <laughs> And I sent it to her and I said, I'm really sorry. I know there's like a little bit of a lovey-dovey bit in the middle, but this really reminds me of um, of you. Anyway, yeah, that's the kind of thing we get up to. I'm a bad friend, right? Because I don't <laughs> even like Celine Dion. So I don't. You said, I imagine you still listen to her all the time, but honest to God, she just popped up on my Spotify. I disagree. I think you've got like the full Celine Dion album. <laughs> I promise you, I really haven't. Well, this song I did use, I can't remember what it was now, but I used to listen to it. And um, yeah, it, I don't know what happened. You just popped to my head. And then all of a sudden, as it was playing, I thought, oh, I'd hate to be without Lisa. Oh, you're so <laughs> cute. I'd hate to be without you. It'd be weird. Well, yeah. 
Yeah, well, we're not going to be. We're going to be like, we've always said it, haven't we, that we're going to be two old women in a nursing home together knitting. But I think that's changed slightly. I think we'll just be outside somewhere in a tent. Yeah, I agree. You in a tent? I'll come with you. I wonder what's going on. I like the idea of knitting, but I used to be able to knit when I was little. But I don't think I did anymore. No, I don't think I do. Speaking of little, right? So that was a real good transition. I don't know how I did it. I've done my usual. Right. So (laughs) um, our guest today, tell us a little bit about him. Okay, so today... I'm not saying he's little, by the way. I'm really sorry. I just (laughs) realised I've now said he's little. It's because it's to do with being children. Okay, back to you, Savvy Lisa. (laughs) I did like a little uh, fist pump then because that's something that I would normally say, isn't it? <laughs> it I'm not is. saying you're little. I'm not saying you're little. He's definitely not. Well, I don't know, actually. You can't tell on a podcast. Oh, um, you're digging it. You're doing what I did about Alan Carr and making it massive now. Oh, my God, I've got anxiety. Go on. <laughs> right, so today we are dead excited to talk to Liam Byrne and he is a British Labour Party politician who has been a member of Parliament for Birmingham Hodge Hill since 2004. He's a very proud patron of Nakua. This is where the little comes in. <laughs> yeah, being children, and you know we've both got links to Nakua, so we absolutely, we can't wait for this episode. Really excited about it. And Nakua actually does so much for um, over 2.6 million children. That's 2.6 million children which are affected by the parents drinking and more probably that's just the ones that they know of they're the people who come forward and relate to that I mean I speak to people all the time who didn't even know there was such thing as being a child of an alcoholic and it's not only about alcoholics this is anyone affected by the parents drinking so it doesn't even have to be the stereotypical image of an alcoholic household you know what I mean it's frightening Really frightening. And I think it's so lovely um, to be able to speak to Liam today because he is really passionate about it. And, you know, he talks about um, his own father's death from alcoholism and that Nicole were actually gave him the strength to try and make sense of his life as the child of an alcoholic. So, um, yeah, here he is. Hi, Liam, you'll be muted. But if you unmute, you can give us a hello. How are you? Hello. How are you? Oh, we're so grateful you've agreed to come on the podcast. Thank you so no, much. No, thanks so, for inviting me. We have kind of met, but you won't know we've met. We we met you from the background on a NACOA conference once. Oh, um, cool. But yeah, you're not going to remember that because I love this. We've met. We don't know we've met. We're not stalkers, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) So the reason that we wanted to get you on the podcast, obviously because you are wonderful, but the the main reason is because you've got a really similar kind of story that we can relate to with our own and particularly my background. Um, So, you know, I do, and Lisa does volunteer speaking for NACOA. We both think... It's an amazing charity. We absolutely love it. And the main reason for that is that my I lost my dad to oh, alcoholism sorry. in 2009. Yeah, I'm sorry for you as well, because I've really been through something very similar to what you went through. And I know you speak really openly about that. And that's mm. where we'd like to start, if that's mm. all right with you. Sure. Yeah. But, so, yeah, we, genuinely, I am sorry about your dad. It's a horrendous thing to go through um, when you've lived that life and then to lose them with lots and lots of mixed emotions. Mm. Um, and obviously, you've done a lot of work for NACOA 
since that point. Can you just take us back to that time and tell us a little bit about how NACOA helped you to navigate that journey, please? Yeah, so, I mean, this was back in um, 2015 and, um, you know, we, we, we kind of kept having elections at the time. And, and so, you know, again, going through elections in and of themselves is quite a sort of bruising experience and um you know i'd left a leaving note at the treasury about how you know we were running short of money and david cameron was uh using that and um uh waving it around at every opportunity and, and you know and that was you know it was a big political mistake by me it was a big cause of public shame um but the you know the the, the tragedy was the private shame that i was going through that was the real pain in my life at the time because you know my dad was in the sort of final stages of um his his life and you know my dad had kind of tipped into alcoholism seriously serious serious alcoholism um you know when he lost my mum uh, to cancer my mum died uh, of pancreatic cancer at my age um and you know my for my dad that was you know as he said it was a, it was a direct hit and that twist of fate just kind of knocked him over um, and his his kind of descent became more and more rapid, you know, towards 2015. And I think, you know, he'd begun to lose the ability to, to, to kind of walk, maintain, you know, a lot of self-control. And I think he'd just kind of given up, basically, and, and just wanted to kind of finish it off. And it, and it wasn't, you know, the first time we'd got to that stage, about two years prior to that, you know, we'd got a call to say, you know, your dad's in intensive care. And, um, and I remember going along and, you know, the, the doctor's kind of saying, well, look, you know, we think he's got a one in 10 chance of surviving this. And, you know, we sort of spent a couple of weeks by his bedside in an in intensive care unit in, in Harlow. And, you know, miraculously, he kind of pulled through. But then, you know, back in 2015, that, that, that was kind of it. And so I think when you're the child of an alcoholic, you're, you're in that codependency. So you have these structures inside families where you evolve these means of supporting each other, you know, and I was doing whatever I could to support my dad. And when he died, you realize it's almost like the, the brace against a, a wall. Um, once the wall collapses, so does the brace. And, and that's kind of how I, I felt. Um, all of a sudden, um, you know, the the world just sort of fell apart and, and I didn't know what to do. And I didn't, um, I didn't really know what was happening to me. I, I didn't really understand why I felt like I did. Um, so I was, I was just very depressed. I was very sad. I was, and very confused, but I'd come across the idea of NACOA when I lived in America for a couple of years. And, you know, <clears throat> National Association of Children of Alcoholics in the US is, is much more of a, it was much better known um, than it was in the UK at the time. So I just kind of Googled NACOA and, and found the office in Bristol and just, <laughs> just got on a train to Bristol and just walked into the NACOA office. And I just sort of said, help, and I would like to help you. Um, and, and it, you know, everything sort of followed from there, really. That's amazing. I think what people don't realise, it doesn't matter how old you are, if you are no. old of an alcoholic. So that's quite incredible to think that you did go in there and just ask for help. Did you find it hard to ask for help? Not at the time. I mean, I was, 
very worried about talking about it because you know in in politics you're you know you have to i mean you feel you don't have to do this but i mean you you often feel you have to you know project a real image of strength yeah. You know, you've got to be the tough guy. And, you know, and I was a tough guy in government. I got all the sort of difficult crap to sort out. Um, so you are very kind of worried about revealing any sort of vulnerability of, of any sort. Um, so I was, I was very worried about that. I was very worried about the morality of whether I was betraying my dad you know i was really worried about the kind of commandment to you know honor thy father mother and father um and and that you know that 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 took quite a lot of processing i suppose um and i guess you know ultimately i just got to the stage where i just thought you know sorry i've got nothing to lose um and you know what, it, it might help others. And I think that's sort of spiritually the advice I got. We have we had an amazing canon at St. Chad's Cathedral where I used to go a bit. And I remember talking to Father Jerry, God rest his soul, about this dilemma um, of can you talk about it publicly if you worry that it brings shame on, on your parents? And he just said, look, you've got to, you know, you, you can honour your parents by talking about this, by talking about their love for each other, um, their love for you, the struggle they went through. And as long as your motives are pure, as long as you're not kind of doing this for some kind of revenge, as long as you're kind of doing this because you are just trying to help others and make the world a better place, um, then spiritually you've got a green light. <laughs> so- you know, I, I, I get that so very much because when, when I first thought, I mean, it's led to Lisa and I both being sober for lots of reasons. We've lost friends through alcohol, a very, very close friend that we lost together through alcohol. Obviously, Lisa's lost her stepfather. I lost my father. And I get that. And I know Lisa does really, really clearly and, and loudly that 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 feeling of am I betraying the people that love and care for me? Because it's not always that the alcoholic is an abuser or is somebody who's bad or is somebody who is horrible. So you kind of want to protect them. And and unlike you, my mum's mum's still alive. So whenever I publish a story, I have this moment when it comes out of holding my breath and thinking, how's she going to take this? How's she going to feel? And at the beginning, I did get it wrong a few times. Mm. So, you know, it, the tone would come across that I was a bit angry or bitter. But I've really found now, and, mm. I, and I was angry and bitter. Yeah, was, absolutely. You know? yeah. <laughs> but um, now I've managed to bring it round and sort of talk about how the, the other elements of my dad that maybe weren't seen, you know, similar to you, he recovered from an intensive care situation mm. and then he did go sober. And he was a musician and he was a loving father and he was care. And he he didn't want to die. He had a love for life, but he couldn't cope. He yeah. couldn't cope with whatever he couldn't cope with. And that was his yeah. way. So I really completely, my heart goes out to you for that. And especially being such a public figure and going through that, it must have been incredibly difficult at the time. Get back to our chat shortly. But first, let us tell you a bit more about our friends at Wise Bartender. They like our BFFs 
now. My wife bartender has the biggest selection of alcohol-free drinks in the world. And this week, we got to try the Naughty Organic Alcohol-Free Prosecco. This is my absolute favourite Prosecco ever. Like, truthfully, I absolutely love it. Um, The founder, Amanda Thompson, actually says it doesn't have to be alcohol to be rock and roll. And I fully agree. I honestly think it's the best one out there. That's me done. What did you think? I hope you liked it. Oh, I hope I liked it as well. I'm just going to say what you said. Um, It's got a slight hint of apple in it for me, um, but I really liked it still. Really like, And it makes you feel special when you're celebrating with it. So you can buy this and more at Wise Pardon? Sorry. Get off my advert. A naughty. (laughs) I'm being naughty. You can buy Naughty and more at wisebartender.co.uk and don't forget to use your code BSOBER5 for a cheeky 5% discount. It must have been incredibly difficult at the time. Uh, Yeah, it it was... um, uh, But I suppose I'd got to a point where if I didn't go through it, there wasn't really an alternative for me. Um, And... In a way, I just got to the end of the road. I mean, there was kind of no choice in a way. And um, I suppose things were moving on in the sense, you know, in, in our kind of public and cultural life, it, you know, it was becoming easier to talk about um, mental health, um, issues like depression, um, childhood trauma. Um, and... I guess I just sort of got to the point where you just sort of thought, do you know what? We've, we've just got to, we've just got to do this. Um, and you, what I didn't anticipate is how one thing then leads to another. So, you know, when you're trying to tell your story for the first time publicly and you're very fearful about the consequences of that, you're very focused on your own story and, and trying to tell it cogently and and what you don't anticipate is what then happens and what happened to me is all of a sudden I had this kind of torrent of pain that kind of came into the office letters from all over the place emails conversations from loads of other MPs and and that really kind of knocked me backwards I just thought my gosh, this is everywhere. Um, and I felt like I just sort of uncovered this secret hidden world of pain that had been boiling away without anybody really kind of understanding its scale and depth. Um, and that I found that very difficult to deal with. I found it very hard to to read the letters and the emails. I found them acutely kind of painful um but you know i got better at it and persisted with it and came to see that there was a real job to do in helping galvanize this movement and that's what we wanted to build we wanted to build a movement i mean you know that's how we thought that we could comfort the most people and deliver the most change it's just incredible to think we've just said this in the intro, but it's millions and millions yeah. of people are struggling with this. What I love about Nakua as well is they often say that about parents drinking too much rather than labelling with yeah. a 
alcoholic. And that's something that I more relate to, I think, with my stepdad, because we never spoke about that, although it was alcoholism that killed him um, because we grew up in pubs. So he drank every single day and he was just, but he wasn't your stereotypical alcoholic. So I know I just found it really hard to talk about and still do, to be honest, because of what you were saying before, you know, around the shame about Mm. and things like that. So I've not really found my way to talk about that yeah, so it's so good to kind of talk to you and listen to how you do, if that makes sense. Well, I think, you know, there's no recipe, is there? I mean, you've, you've got to you know, find, your, find your own path through it. But at, at least, you know, if we can create a sense for people that they're not on that path on their own. Yeah. Um, and, you know, okay, we're, we're all kind of running the marathon, but there's thousands of other people who are running the marathon and some are dressed up in stupid costumes and some are going really fast and some are basically <laughs> walking it. And you basically just got to figure out your own way to, uh, to, to finish the race. <laughs> oh, you do. And you like that analogy. There you go, Lisa. You're the one limping at the back, catching up. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not, by the way. I'm too competitive. That's so true. So you know, a bit of personal. Oh, sorry. No, no, it's all right. Go on. I was gonna. I was gonna ask about because you said something about Parliament and and how mm. now you've you've made a movement within the government, which you have. You know, you have really driven Started, that movement. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, and Nicole will certainly say that you've been the biggest voice um, in the government for this. Um, and you know, in that in the pandemic those numbers have really mm. soared again. So mm. what's going on now? Because we know funding's been cut. Um, mm. So what's going on now from your perspective to help NACOA and charities like that? Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the figures during lockdown have been kind of horrendous. Um, but what most of the reporting has kind of failed to zero in on is the fact that in those households, there are kids. Mm. So the sort of, plight of children has again um, been somewhat ignored Um, and bizarrely and I hope it's a mistake but I mean bizarrely um, the government has kind of switched off the um, funding for NACOA and we had a debate in Parliament last Thursday um, which was very powerful Um, and Dan Carden my colleague um, helped initiate the debate tragically he couldn't be there because um his dad his dad is in final stages of palliative care um at at, at his home and dan needed to be at his kind of bedside so i I tried to you know deliver some of dan's speech to parliament as well and if i'm brutally honest the the response from the minister was was a bit disappointing um so you know the basically the, the next stage having had that debate is to um, take a delegation to go and see the Secretary of State for Health, Sajid Javid, um, to kind of say, look, what is kind of going on? <laughs> um, what, why, why are we in this position? Um, so we, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to plan for the worst, but hope for the best, and just hope that we can just kind of put this back together. But I think, at the very least, what we will be able to do is to bring together the pilot areas. So we unlocked about six million pounds for a bunch of pilot areas. Um, to test different approaches to support children of alcoholics and that will have yielded some good work we're not cited on what that good work is though but I know many of the people who are involved in running those 
program. So I'm confident that they will have done some really good work. Um, but we've got to try and bring that back together. And it's all a bit of a nightmare because they change the rules in Parliament every 10 minutes at the moment about whether you can have people in or whether you can't have people in. And it, I mean, the COVID restrictions. It's like the world. It's like the world. It's the rules driving everybody mad well. <laughs> at the moment. But, you know, fingers crossed at some point in, in Q1 next year, we'll find a way of bringing these frontline professionals back together because you know i mean if there's one thing i've learned in politics is that the fastest way to figure something out is is just go and talk to the frontline staff because yeah. you know they know everything you know what you, you learn nothing sitting in an office in, in westminster and whitehall i mean you you know that is not where you learn things you learn you learn, <laughs> you learn things on the front line so that was why we wanted the money to go to the front line because we just knew that that's where the innovation would happen that's where it would flourish good people trying different things with their creativity. But now we've got to bring that back together because, you know, what we've got to try and ensure is that good practice somewhere becomes good practice everywhere. And, yeah. and that's... You know, it's interesting you mentioned Dan. We actually, um, we're in, we are in contact with Dan at the moment. Mm. Um, he's going to attend one of our Be Sober events. So what we oh, run cool. is, yeah, we on the Wirral, we've got an ambassador on the Wirral. So um, oh, okay. we, we run events all over the country. And, you know, likewise, I know you offer help to NACOA, but we'd love to offer help to government as well. And I yeah. mean this genuinely, even though it's live on our podcast, if yeah. you think there's any intermediary service that we can offer as yeah, a community okay. interest company, we're happy to get involved and support people who need help to stop drinking. If those services are pushed, give us a shout and we will help out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that. I think, um, but I think it's, um, you know, what, what's magnificent about the work you're doing is that it, it's just it's just helping normalise the conversation. Yeah. You know, and when I went to go and talk to Nicole, I mean, they wanted me to sort of do a speech to their 25th anniversary thing five years ago, five, six years ago. And that was the first time I really kind of assembled you know, my thoughts and, and remarks on it. And I remember one of the lines I used is that to normalise the conversation, you have to organise the conversation. And I think, you know, that you're making such a big contribution to that. And, and just how do you conquer the stigma and the shame? Well, step one has got to be just talking about this stuff a lot and saying, yeah, you know, life, it's strange old thing, isn't it? And this is one part of it and you know what it's always been like this there's always there's been alcohol for as long as we've been you know around as social animals living together in communities and as long as there's been alcohol there have been people who drink too much and that has consequences and this is just part of what it's what what it, what it means to be human it's just part of our you know life um so it's not big it's not scary and frankly talking about it will help people make better choices we had our way we'd have the world sober though oh, honestly yeah. we really would we well, we um we yeah. both have gone sober lisa first and then myself so we would have the world sober <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is i think this is what what we're really passionate about is talking about being sober because the word sober itself has such a stigma around it people assume mm. that it's boring and that you don't have fun anymore and you know when we named ourselves be sober yeah we did an interview once on a, on a television programme and he was like, right, all I need to ask you is try not to say sober because it <laughs> like, Honestly, within the first sentence, I must have said it eight times. I not. And I'm I just like, ignored it, what you're telling you, Liam. Just yeah, ignored the guidelines. <laughs> what we're about. We love it. And I think it's so, you know, we never knew that not drinking was an option, but because it's so ingrained in our society, because it's everywhere, yeah. we didn't think 
to stop drinking. We just thought it was a normal progression. When you got grown up, you drank and everybody did. And and that's yeah. so we never really saw it. But what's your own relationship like with alcohol? Careful. Yeah. <laughs> very, very careful. Because I think what I, I didn't quite understand, um, you know, until I started really researching it is that, you know, if, if you, um, is that there are genetic factors at work. So, so basically you'll have a brain chemistry that means the highs are higher. Um, and therefore, um, you know, that is, that is the kind of sort of, those are, those are addiction triggers basically. And it's, it's, it's partly behavioral, but it's also partly your chemistry. And therefore you've just got to be super cautious um you know and when i was a teenager i mean i used to i had i had a bad relationship with alcohol as a as a teenager and as a as a, as a student um and then when i was about sort of 20 21 i kind of got serious about life and became kind of very driven and very ambitious and all those other dimensions of being the child of an alcoholic kind of kick in and you become right yeah I mean you're trying to put the world to rights and um you know and that's I mean funnily enough I mean that's why there are so many children of alcoholics in politics um because the kind of pathologies you need to survive as the child of an alcoholic are, the, are exactly the same pathologies you need yeah. to do survive in, in um in politics and it is you know it is it, it is bizarre that still you know when I I find myself very often being in the lobbies or in the corridor and you know, another MP will have kind of heard something that we've done about it, and just said, "Ah, oh, you know, I didn't, I didn't realise you did that." And you know, me too. And this was my story. And and you kind of, I've had experience where you sort of say, "Well, you know, at some point, I hope you find um, the ability to kind of talk about that publicly." And 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 they will say, "Well, maybe, but you now know more about it than anybody else." Um, so so I mean, there, yeah. There's a lot of it in Parliament. <laughs> you know, you should do, Liam. You should give them all. We, we have a free sober experiment, and it's one month off alcohol, right? One month where everybody does it together. Get yeah. them all on our sober experiment. It might change the world of politics. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it absolutely is. would. We swear by that. If everybody did this, the, uh, the experiment is just to see what life is like without alcohol for 30 days rather than see it as a challenge. And we really pride ourselves on how people's mindsets kind of change from thinking that they can't have a drink to by the end of the 30 days, like, actually, I don't even want one because it's yeah. not add, add anything to my life. So we kind of try and get people before it gets to yeah, that. It's really preventative, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like, you know, we've actually got um, another guest on one of our ambassadors and you know, he's going to talk to us a little bit about how you don't have to hit rock bottom to want to take a break. And I think that's quite a problem in this country that we've got so many people hitting rock bottom before they realise that I don't have to be on this conveyor belt. I can I can jump off and find other alternatives. So that's the work that we want to kind of do to spread the word. Yeah. Yeah. So but yeah, we absolutely love Nakoa and and the work that you're doing with them and generally around this subject is just is so important to us personally and obviously publicly. So genuinely, thank you. But before we let you off the hook, we have a question for you, if that's OK. Yeah. <laughs> um, our Be Sober motto is be brave, be kind, be sober. Just out of curiosity, which would you most relate to right now and why? So be kind. Um, because you know we <clears throat> the, the world the world's a difficult place and um 
you know, politics is such a kind of an argumentative environment and, you know, and, and, and that's what it's, that's kind of what it's for. You know, we, we, we elect people to send them off to this crazy palace um, to go and kind of have arguments on our behalf. Um, but, you know, you do feel, I think, especially since the advent of social media, that some of the arguments have just become so more, much more polarised and, and vicious, mm-hmm. um, devoid in a way of, of humanity. And that is really draining. And, you know, there are, frankly, there are a lot of people in the Commons at the moment who have got mild post-traumatic stress disorder after, um, you know, the murder of David Amos. And, you know, I, I remember this after Joe Cox was murdered. It, it, the, the first kind of week or two, people are kind of carrying on in, you know, a, a sort of slightly bizarre way. But but after a couple of weeks, you start to see people really kind of break down. And, and it is because, you know, the, 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 the trauma is just kind of kicking in. Um, but it's so intense for, for many people right now. Um, and so much of our social life is, is kind of online. And, and for a lot of people, that's, that's just not a very nice and edifying kind of place. And so I fear that, you know, we are becoming more polarised in some of the ways that we live. And I just think the one thing people loved about lockdown was that resurgence in community spirit. And people loved going out to clap with their neighbours on a, on, on a yeah. Thursday night. And, you know, I talked to so many people who just, they lo- they they liked how that felt, you know. Yeah. And what about knocking on doors for a cup of milk again, like you <laughs> used to do? It was like that. It was like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I just think we discovered something about ourselves during that period. And we've just got to sort of remember how good it felt. And we've got to find ways, small and large, of, of nourishing that. Um, and the way you nourish that is by being kind. <laughs> oh, what a cracking answer. <laughs> that was a really good answer, and we couldn't agree more. Um, thank you just so much for taking the time to talk to us. Honestly, it's really appreciated. We know how busy you are because um, we could keep talking forever and ever, by the way, but we know, we know you've got things to do, so thank you. Real pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for what you're doing. Just keep it up. Bye. Big thanks to Wise Bartender for sponsoring this episode. If you're experimenting with different alcohol-free drinks and don't want to buy a whole case, Wise Bartender honestly has the largest selection of single bottles ever. So you can have lots of fun trying loads of different drinks or even buy one of their special gift packs. Don't forget to use your 5% discount code BSOBER5 at wisebartender.co.uk. And if you want to find out more about the work we do or you want to join our amazing community here at Be Sober, you can find out more on our website www.besoberofficial.com. Until next time, be brave, be kind and be sober.